Venal Greed. The snatch-and-grab attempt of the UK's fortunes by Liz Truss et al. highlights a much bigger problem. It felt as if Liz knew she didn't have much time before the alarm went off, so she tried to stuff her backpack with as much loot as she could before being turfed out. By just being in power for 44 days, she's gained herself an extra 115k per annum to add to her 85k as a Member of Parliament. A cool £200,000 per annum, provided she can hold her seat in the next elections. We discover that Liz and her erstwhile 38-day Chancellor, Quasi Kwarteng, were the progeny of some rather foul right-wing think tanks who cluster like a cancer at 55 Tufton Street, less than 10 minutes' walk from Parliament. One of these think tanks was called the Global Warming Policy Foundation, which claims to be a charity who present fair views on the climate crisis, but is, however, funded by a series of shareholders who have substantial stakes in petrochemical companies. They're essentially claiming to care whilst intervening in any policy decisions that might actually stop their funders profiting. It was therefore no shock to see Liz Truss sweep to the commons with a bill to start fracking again in the UK. You can bet that should fracking have become widespread, she and her cronies would have benefited. This microcosm of greed that was Liz Truss's thankfully short premiership felt like a buccaneer had been let loose. Her beliefs that the market would follow her, well, shows just how massively misinformed she actually was. The problem is greater than just Liz Truss, however. We see that US senators and their families are allowed to buy shares in companies that they directly create the legislature for. I find it astonishing that about 15 senators bought heavily into arms manufacturers three weeks before the war was declared in the Ukraine, and the US then sent huge loads of weapons to the front. Can that be right? How can they be privy to war briefings and then line their nest to profit from others' grief? Worse than that, these facts are openly understood, not hidden. Our American friends took a little longer to free themselves from slavery than we did in the United Kingdom. The vestiges of this cruel policy still plague modern life in the USA. I was astonished to find that only four years before I was born in 1958, one young black man called Clennon King was jailed and then sent to a mental asylum for trying to enrol in Mississippi State University. The authorities claimed that he must be insane to even think there might be a place for him at this august institution. At the same time in the UK, it was a familiar sight to see flats or rooms being let out to tenants with the signs, no blacks, no Jews, no Irish, no dogs, displayed in the front window. These days, we find it abhorrent. My children are totally colourblind. I used to have conversations with them when they were at junior school in London that went like this. Dad, can I have Lennon over? Which one is Lennon? Then the conversation would dissolve into, you know, the one I play football with, the one from my party, the one who never quite mentioned the fact that he might be of Chinese or African descent. It was never an identifier for them. 
We see that the maltreatment of black people in America generated the Black Lives Matter movement when people finally got to the end of their tethers. The subject of racism, as with all things, is a question of education. Our societies have always been very good at keeping women in their place. We find that from the ancient lawmaker Hammurabi in Sumerian times 6,000 years ago, that he felt that there were three classes of people, essentially rich, merchants and poor. We see this structure everywhere, from the caste of the Hindu system, through the Roman Empire, through thousands of years of European history, until the First or Second World War. This was the first time that women were ever thought of as anything other than an underclass. It's all too obvious, even now, in the Middle East, women are still not free to live as equals. Along the way, we found some pathways to accept the other. In many lands, same-sex marriages are allowed, and it's easier and more acceptable to flex one's gender. Tiny steps in the right direction. But breaking the illusory glass ceiling for women is the next big challenge. There's one place that nobody will look when it comes to the question of inequality, however. Our politicians, almost to a man, come from an elite class of folk who were born into money. In the UK, the paid-for pipeline from Eton and Harrow to Oxford and Cambridge and straight into politics is well known. It's not cheap, but it's a great investment for a family to make to see their fortunes accrue even more quickly. David Cameron, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom from 2010 to 2016, was assessed to be worth about £10 million before becoming Prime Minister, and now about £38 million. Not a bad investment for his parents. Famously, Aristotle declared that there were people who were evidently free men, and others who were patently exhibited slavish qualities. Rich men have always believed that they have the God-given right to rule over poor. The lottery of birth seems to have cast many into the role of the downtrodden and few to the role of the oppressor. Elon Musk, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett have between them $400 billion. That's about the same net worth as Mexico and slightly more than Russia. And that's under these three gentlemen's control. Let's say we liquidate these three gentlemen. Their assets, of course. I'm just wanting to point that out. What could be achieved by releasing $400 billion into helping the level up the poor? It's now, it's now time to look at the minimum, minimum wage story, or universal basic income. It's been mooted in the UK that we dissolve the fantastically expensive social security system. This is the thousands of people who give out money to the poor and check to see that the poor aren't working side jobs whilst receiving these benefits. If we were to offer every person in the United Kingdom £1,000 a month with no question asks, this country would be a radically different, an exceptionally creative place. It could become the work hub of Europe. These savings, uh, the savings from paying the people who administer all of this money, could actually fund the UBI, Universal Basic Income. 
We often refer to the Finnish government's experiment on UBI. They ran a randomised, countrywide experiment for two years. McKinsey and company have the following to say about the experiment. The final results from Finland's experiment are now in. The findings are intriguing. The basic income in Finland, a modest six, 560 euros, led to a small increase in employment. It significantly boosted multiple measures of the recipient's well-being and reinforced positive individual and societal feedback loops. What happens when every person in society is helped to have their own house and their own income? Do people actually want to be robbers? Do people actually want to live on the streets? Once again, we look to Finland, where they have built 3,500 new homes and totally eradicated homelessness in Helsinki. This brings work to communities building houses and lowers crime levels. Less crime means a happier population. More work means more money in the community. In the UK, we're in the pincer-like grip from the stupidity of the Conservative government. We desperately need workers, but have followed some xenophobic policy to keep people out. It's like truly cutting off our noses to spite our faces. I suspect that we'll see even more refugees allowed to enter from Ukraine in the coming months. Poor things, come in and show us your qualifications. Ah, a nuclear scientist, a computer programmer, worked in banking. Stamp that visa and uh, don't we look like good people to boot. To round up my thoughts, racial equality, sexual equality, gender equality, it's all about equality. You can be anything you want to be in my Qigong world, but how about we stop trying to amass fortunes like crazed pirates and start trying to find a way to balance our society. The lack of equality in the UK between rich and poor is growing ever bigger. Day by day, our Conservative government, they tell us they're trying to help, whilst getting richer and richer through questionable deals and policies. It's time to take a consciousness perspective, where we are all human beings, no single one better than the other. It's time for love to be the guiding principle. Even love has been a paternalistic control mechanism used by religions to control us. This time, it has to be love, love, love. Love for love's sake. No hidden agenda.